Welcome back, everybody, to Between the Stitches, baseball-only show, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. My name is Ryan. we got a great episode for you guys today because we're going to be talking baseball as we normally do on this show. Free agency, signings, all different aspects of the game, but a lot of that will be covered and be given a little bit more layering and some detail and some insight from our special guest today, Peter Appel of Just Baseball. Peter uh, has grown his audience uh, on social media and his influence to a really big and sizable contribution to the community of influencers and content creators in the realm of baseball. And we wanted to get him on the show today, get his insight, get a little bit of background on how he got to where he is today with a lot of success in the content creation world and get his take on some of the stuff that's actually happened in the world of baseball with his visiting of the winter meetings this past off season, or I guess this current off season, his predictions and things of that nature. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode, episode 27 of between the stitches baseball only show part of the phenomenal fan media group. And let's get into it. Welcome to between the stitches part of the phenomenal fan media group, two former college teammates talking about what they know best baseball. All right, welcoming on Between the Stitches, baseball-only show, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group, is Peter Appel. Is that right? Appel? Apple, actually, like the fruit. Is interesting. It, is it actually? Enough. Yeah. Is it actually? Yeah, like okay. the fruit. Yeah, because well, it used to be Apple Bomb late in the day, and then oh, somewhere okay. down the line we changed it to Apple, but not Mark Appel, Peter I Apple. was going to say, Appel, is there any bloodline there with, with uh, a number one overall pick? I wish it's the common question, and I always say I wish because yeah. no. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, yeah. If I were you, I mean, people ask me. It's for those who are listening or dumb. My last name's Arnold, and I turn out a Miami Dolphins game. I'm like, yeah, there's my cousin Dan, you know, making catches for the Titan or the Dolphins, but obviously no relation. So yeah. So Peter Apple, we'll keep it at Peter Apple for now. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know, he runs and he's founds and basically controls uh, everything that has to do with just baseball and just baseball media um his handle on twitter for those of you who don't know is uh at peter apple 23 um so check him out on twitter he's got his uh, information in his bio just baseball media linked in his bio uh but he's been gaining a lot of traction making a lot of noise in the realm of content creation, specifically on TikTok and gambling advice and all those different things. So we're going to dive into all of it with Peter today. Um, but first, before we dive into anything, and the funniest part about our connection is mentioning TikTok. And I don't even think, I don't know if Peter remembers this or not, but my early parts of the uh, content creation world were with MLB The Show specifically. Uh, just loved playing it. People always told me, you know, hey, you're good enough to be a streamer, but also funny enough. And this and that. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll give it a shot, whatever. Use TikTok as a good growth platform and uh, put out a video. I think this was two summers ago about uh, uh, this kid that wanted to challenge me to, uh, 
I guess he he donated to my stream in exchange for a friendly match on MLB The Show. Ended up torching the kid and sharing the video on social media. And Peter, from his TikTok account of Just Baseball, I believe at the time, stitched it or, you know, duetted it or whatever the case was and uh, reacted to it, basically, because I torched this kid and I really just didn't mean to. And he was so honest and sincere about it. And then, oddly enough, we ended up sitting next to each other at the Futures game at mm -hmm. Coors Field when he made his way out with his baseball, Just Baseball guys. And I just recognized him. Uh, and then next thing you knew, I was talking to him. And oddly, you know, weird way to even try to start a conversation with someone. But I'm like, hey, man, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but, like, I think you duetted a video of mine that did really well. And, and um, yeah, so that's how we kind of got connected at first. But now, you know, enough with my stuff. And I wanted to, to get into his background. So, Peter, you are... I, I, I don't know if this word gets thrown around too much. An influencer, right? Let's just say content creator in the realm of, of baseball and sports and things of that nature. Um, how did you start? Why did you start? What inspired you to get into the realm of creating content, putting yourself out there? Because I have friends, I have people that, you know, have told me that in passing as a joke. Like, yeah, man, you'd make a good, you know, commentator, right? Or a good thing of that, you know, uh, content creator. but it's hard to put yourself out there when you first start. It's hard to put your face out there, especially with people, you know, who knows what people are going to think of you and judge you. So how did you start? What inspired you and kind of what led you to now a really successful social media platform? No, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah. It's so funny. No, I remember those conversations. It was a great day at the Futures game. And I remember that video so clearly because it's still one of the funniest videos <laughs> I've ever seen on the internet. Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't just that you crushed him. It was the editing involved where it went so quick and it was just bang, bang, bang. It was like 50 to zero or something. Yeah. And it was your reaction to it because you were so nice. And the kid was also like so yeah. nice. And it yeah. was just, I still think about it. I still think it's one of the funniest things I've seen on yeah. the internet, especially well, the MLB the show. So <laughs> yeah. good on you. But yeah. yeah, so the the reason, the way we started was I was working for the New York Yankees in the season ticket sales department. Okay. Um, I've been working there for about two years um, at the time, not two years um, consecutively, like internship here when I was 19, another internship, another internship, and then a full season. So it ended up being two years. And then when the pandemic hit, my two buddies, Jack and Arm, who are my co-hosts yep. on the Just Baseball show, and Arm and I really co-founded the company together with the idea of baseball was being, you know, in the terms of the content creation side, wasn't really big on TikTok yet, but other sports were um, on YouTube. It had really gotten some traction, but nobody was really covering all facets of baseball, right? MLB, minor leagues, college, fantasy, trading cards, sure. and gambling. Sure. So sure. we set out, and this was a thing that I was talking about with Arm over the summer because he wanted to create a website, and I thought, because he just wanted to create, because he's a really good prospect mind. Okay. Like one of the best I've ever come across and still in my opinion, and maybe this is biased, but I don't think so. <laughs> of course it's me and it's yeah. my partner, but I think he's the best prospect mind out. So he wanted a place to write down all of his thoughts on prospects. And I thought, let's really expand this and make this a media company. So, and it was also, there was a part of me that felt this was the time. If I didn't, jump at the fact because I always kind of wanted to be a media member. 
Um, my dad is actually, um, and my grandma, big in theater, directors okay. of Shakespeare, actors. And so I had acted in plays before, and I always had like a performative aspect to me sure. where I wanted to be on camera. You know, I was a, I was a anchor in my school news, like all that kind of stuff, and then kind of got away with it. But then I really wanted to get back into it. So we decided, all right, we're going to create a media company. We'll jump on TikTok. And if we have a thousand followers by the time we launch our website, so we launched a TikTok April 1st, website June 22nd. If we have a thousand followers by then, there's at least enough people to um, absorb our content because sure. we were, we all kind of quit our jobs. And it was like, <laughs> if this doesn't work, like we need to be able to pay the bills. Yeah. So if we have eight followers, all right, maybe, maybe we're, this isn't working, but yeah. I never would have forgiven myself if I didn't try. And by that time, we had 55,000 followers. So it just took off like that. Um, and then, you know, the podcast got a lot of love, too, from clipping podcast clips, which I think if you are thinking about creating a social media presence, a very easy way to do it is you start a podcast or you start some sort of video content, and then you clip your favorite parts into 15 to 45 second videos, and you put them on a TikTok and then have people drive because TikTok is an engine yep. and you drive it yep. to your other areas. And that's just kind of how it spawned was the virality of TikTok led people to our website, led people to our podcast. Then we expanded podcasts. I started doing three gambling picks every day, which caught a lot of traction too in the early stages of sports betting. Now you go on TikTok and everybody and their mother is giving out picks. But I'd like to say I was one of the first ones. And I think that's what gave me legitimacy was I've been doing this. I've sure. been positive. I've been, this is now multiple years, football, baseball, you know, that you can at least trust me. And that's always what I've um, hung my hat on. It's the most important part. You know, I'm going to miss bets, Yeah, but I'm going to tell you when I miss them, I'm going to tell you what I learned and we're going to try and win together. And it's always going to be free. That was really the nucleus of, of importance to me. And then it just developed from there. And now you know, we have 15 staff writers at JustBaseball.com. We have a team of interns and we have content people who just create content all day. And I'm lucky to say that now at this point in our progression that I'm able to do it as a job and it's the best job in the world. Yeah, that's I mean, that's all great insight. And I think uh, one of the key things you mentioned earlier is uh, something that I can definitely relate to in the sense of <clears throat> if you're not going to you got to launch. You just got to go. You just got to put yourself out there. I mean, you got to start, right? I mean, you can't just think about it and talk about it and say you're going to do it and speculate and plan all these things out. I mean, that's part of not just this process specifically, but life is like you, you're going to launch and you're probably, I'm sure you can attest to this, make mistakes, uh, you know, do things probably in not in not the best or correct order, you know, prioritize the wrong things at the start, but that's part of the learning process. That's part of the failures that you have to go through. And it sounds like you guys have been able to minimize the failures, which is great, uh, and and get to a point where now you know you see huge growth on TikTok, huge influence, and and multiple people involved, which is great. Um, and you mentioned early on also that you were doing sales. Now, normally, you know, I I know that I personally, when I first graduated college, didn't know what I wanted to do, got into sales for a brief time. I knew right away that I hated it and I didn't want to do it, uh, but. I also know that there's a, a part of that, right? Relating back to more just real life stuff in, in terms of relating to content creation. Do you think sales helped you at all? The, the tools, the training, the relatability, 
things like that. Do you think that helped in content creation, business development, all the above, none of the above? No doubt about it. All of the above. I think it it, it influenced everything that we do um, at almost every level, whether it's speaking in front of a camera, um, whether it's speaking on a podcast like this. Like I was on the phones. We'd make 100 phone calls selling season tickets to Yankee fans. And my one issue was I would talk more about the team. Baseball. Yep. For example. Yeah. For example, and that's why I knew I really wanted to talk about the game on a podcast, social media type atmosphere instead of selling, because I'd get a call across the desk and it would be, you know, hey, man, you know, selling season tickets with the New York Yankees. And then we'd start talking about the team or whatever. And instead of saying, um, Aaron Judge, hey, I know you know a lot about Aaron Judge, like these seats in section 111, you can see Aaron Judge. Would you like to talk about tickets? Instead, I'd be like, yeah, what do you think about Aaron Judge this year? Like, do you think that, you know, he's <laughs> yeah. going to set a record for home runs? Like, that was my, and I, you know, my phone calls would last too long. And I would talk to my boss and he'd be like, you are converting sales. But it's a So game. every phone call yeah. you're doing, you're actually at a higher hit rate, but you need to make more phone calls and spend less time on the phones talking about Glaber Torres talking about how bad Aaron Hicks is. Yeah. Like yeah. that was my issue. And then, so, but it, it falls into our businesses too. Like I am lucky to say that I got to work where in, for an organization, which I think is top notch, like in the New York Yankees, they're worth $5 billion. The Cowboys, they're a global brand. Um, so I felt like I learned from the best of the best. Um, so in terms of a business standpoint, how they do business, because sales at the end of the day, it's, it's a full business. Right. Yep. Um, yep. So it really is all the above. It's from every level. And that's, I feel like, comfortable being on camera in the sense of I was already comfortable talking. I already knew the game. Um, I had the theater background in my life before. So I and I I sympathize with with people who, you know, are afraid to get on the camera first yeah. off. And I under it. But it's also hard for me to understand that because. I've just been doing it my whole life. So that transition, I didn't think anything of it. Um, so that's why, yeah, sales definitely influenced everything we do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I like I said, I know I wasn't into it, um, but I know that, that that was more just about not maybe being as passionate about what I was selling. I mean, at the time I was selling um, – shipping consultancy software i mean like just terrible like you know miserable stuff yeah. but for you i mean it, it sounds like and you know i i think a lot of people would be the same way if it's it's just like you doing your content now but it's something you at least slightly cared about right the team the yankees it's just the fact of <laughs> instead of being a content creator for the team or a you know a reporter you were selling tickets but you still had that outlet to put stuff out so you were passionate about it um so you transition to this uh, realm of content creation. You guys go on TikTok. You talked about your sort of starting strategy, what you guys wanted to do as an approach. And now you've grown to, um, you have three different platforms that I think you guys primarily post on, right? Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. TikTok being the best, and you mentioned it also being probably the biggest uh, or the best engine for creativity and redirecting um, people to consume your content elsewhere. Do you feel like uh, there's also, of course, there's value in every platform, but do you feel like there's different value for different 
types of platforms? Because we see, I, I personally see a lot of people, you know, you mentioned guys who give out picks or guys that are doing certain things on different platforms. And it's like, they actually gain a small traction of, you know, followers on TikTok and then their Twitter blows up or they grow, you know, they start throwing up Instagram reels and then, then their TikTok blows up. So do you feel like you guys went about it the right way? Is there a right way? Is there a platform you feel like people going into this should emphasize or is it just kind of a crapshoot of where you find the most success? I think it's a little bit of both. And I, that's why I think um, if you are thinking about starting a media company, you should, you need to be very active on everything. Like for example, um, depending on how, what type of content you are making, like if you are interested in short form content, you should definitely be Instagram and TikTok. Yep. We, you know, we write a lot. Um, we have our website, we're writing articles all the time. Those do much better on Twitter. Like yep. Twitter is long form written content. And you can do short form written content on Twitter from those articles and then transition those to Twitter. If you're making short videos, TikTok, Instagram, long videos, like our entire podcast, YouTube, audio, all that kind of stuff. And that's why I feel like we've been successful is that we can transition from all these different platforms. If, and that was our goal. That's with all of our different verticals. If you are a straight up gambler and all you want to do is hear the picks, short, great. You can watch a TikTok video. If you want to listen to why I'm on each pick, you can listen to my podcast, not gambling advice. If you are a trading card person who just wants to hear about the cards, you can watch arms TikTok videos, but if you want articles, you can go to the website. So we apply to the 65 year old who wants to know about the Minnesota twins and read about it on our website. But we also apply to the general baseball fan who wants to know about the top 10 players in baseball. And we'll do that on TikTok. or you can watch a full episode on YouTube. So I think it's important of whatever content you have tailoring it to all the different social media outlets and see what works. Like, for example, um, we just had Foolish Baseball on yep. our podcast, yep. who is super, super popular on YouTube, you know, but he doesn't do TikTok. Yep. Doesn't really do. I don't even know if he has an Instagram, but he's become extremely successful. And we talked about him. He started doing um, videos on video games and then that transitioned into baseball bits and that look at where he's at yep. now. Yep. So it's about trying different things, seeing what works, and don't be afraid to try and see something fail because that means, you know, you could just cross it off the list. We tried a bunch of different things before something hit. And the first thing that hit was me yelling about Gary Sanchez. Right. And how much he sucks. Yeah. And that was our first viral TikTok. And like, but we were also posting like hitting lesson stuff. We were doing a bunch of different things before that one. So we were like, all right, the podcast clips. And then the gambling stuff. Those what was those what took off. Some stuff that we do on our website doesn't do well on TikTok, but you can read it on our website and it still does well there. So it's all about trying new things and tailoring it to these outlets. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, it's great advice. It's great insight. Um, and that's you know one of the reasons, one of the questions I wanted to to get from you because, like I said, I know your TikTok features. I mean, all kinds of stuff, whether it's more produced, um, which is sort of the direction I feel like I tend to lean and I, I feel like maybe to a fault I might be a little bit too perfectionist as you know I wanted to see but I feel like some of the content you guys or you specifically have put out that's performed the best is just uh 
the green screen effect on TikTok of a of a post or a tweet or something and your reaction to it or you know the filter like that kind of stuff I think people like you said uh including myself <laughs> guilty of it sometimes want it to be so perfect because it's like you assume it's you know like oh if I just do this one thing it's going to blow up and it's like just just throw everything out there and throw everything you can at the wall and one or two things will stick and then that's what you ride with cuz you know that's what you know stuff and content that people are going to like and and enjoy and consume and comment on and stuff like that you know and so i think it's great advice uh you know in general to use the different platforms to your advantage um but also don't i guess you could relate it to investing don't put all your eggs in one basket right diversify and make sure you are tailored to different uh different demographics different age groups different types of people because even so like you want to be tailored towards like you said the 65 year old guy who wants to read up on the future of the minnesota twins as an organization but you also want to tailor to to mikey the eight-year-old on tiktok because he wants to know what does this trade mean so yeah it's it's great advice and um yeah i just i think uh anybody listening can can definitely take something from that um so yeah just go ahead. one more thing on that front yeah. like if i'm let's say you know you are creating a TikTok video and you're spending hours editing it and then you finally put it out. In that time span, I can sit behind a green screen on three different videos and just create more content. And one of those videos might not do as well as that well-edited version, but I put out three and those three are going to total more. Right. It's just the reality. Yeah. So I think it's, and it's also, it's you and me. We're talking like, I'm behind a green screen. This is exactly what I think, my exact thoughts. And you don't need all this different stuff. And now if you get perfect and there's people who are amazing editors and they're doing that exact thing and they have more followers than we are, like we're not perfect too. Um, but I think it's just finding what works best for you. And to find out what works best for you, you have to be willing to fail. We talk about baseball right now be a hall of famer i know it's corny but yeah. you hit 300 you lose seven out of ten times like playing baseball when you were young playing baseball when i was young we know it's a game of failure and it's almost like that's the same with social media yeah 100 100 agree um it's great advice and i think you know uh on top of that too i think a lot of people you know we talked about it they they kind of they overwork they perfectionize they try to get everything exactly how it is um, but at the end of the day, I think the, the human element is is something that people, you know, you talked about your one of your best performing uh, TikToks at the beginning of all this was you just freaking out about Gary Sanchez. I just put one up recently about um, a three unit bet I had on USC in the in the Cotton Bowl, and they decided to sell all my money away to Tulsa. But I I was reacting to it live. I just I knew that in my heart. A, I was actually like, it was all genuine, you know, it was not yeah. like I wasn't, you know, but I Has started, to be rec genuine. started recording myself literally as I was watching the game and then clipped together basically the highlights from the game and my reaction to those specific plays. And it performed well because people are like, man, this guy's actually pissed, you know, and probably shouldn't be uh, freaking out over a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds because they have no idea who I am. But then <laughs> the point is, you know, it's it's uh, it's real. Like I said, and like you said, it's it's genuine. It's what, you know, people want to see and hear. So I think um, it's good advice all the way around uh, with the social platforms. So the last thing we'll talk about with the social platforms, and you touched on it already, is the gambling aspect of it. Um, and this is, you know, baseball-only show. We, you, it sounds like, you know, you guys are baseball-focused. You have some football content, you know, with you guys, dude. Um, but in general, 
it sounds like the gambling stuff is a, a decent slice of of the big pie you guys are uh and the picks you give out and and the community itself for those who don't know is is actually huge for for gambling and for picks and um so it's a two-part question but all the same and it, it's basically you know with gambling was it something that you were involved with before you started doing it? Like, were you an active, avid gambler, number one? And number two, as a part of those picks, uh, where did the whole sort of not gambling advice, uh, you know, part of it come come into fruition? Yeah, so I, in college, um, that's where I really got into it. And I always loved betting on baseball because I felt like I knew baseball. And um, it gave, you know, an extra element. And I was like, well, if I love making predictions, like I would even make them before I even knew kind of what gambling was like, you know, 14, 15 years old, I was always trying to pick my winners, yeah. you know, even kind of before the internet, you know, you might even get the paper. And I know it, it seems like such a long time ago, but it really wasn't before, like, you know, we had iPhones where we could check the score and everything. Yep. Um, just the box scores. Like I would be like, oh, I think this pitcher is going to beat this pitcher. And this is why. And I always loved doing that. Like it was never um oh like now i have to start gambling it was i already love this i already do it um and i wanted and i had been positive year over year um in college um i would always track my play see what i was up at the end of the year and i was like i could do this on tiktok um so i was like all right i'm gonna do three plays and i'm gonna see if i'm positive and year one i was positive and then year two we did incredible like we were up almost 50 units on the year on just one unit plays yeah um so it just it just kept spiraling and um but where not gambling advice came was at the beginning when i was looking at tiktok's guidelines it said the gambling wasn't allowed so i at the beginning i kind of thought of it as a loophole in a way where this sure. is not gambling advice but this is what i'm on yeah. um and i wasn't even adding money lines or anything i would just be like I think this team is going to win and they happen to be minus 130. What do you yeah. think? Yeah. <laughs> or something like yeah. that. And then it then um but it I wasn't like it was only really for that, but it also what it meant to me was these are my picks. These are this is what I'm on today. You do not have to tail. Yep. If you yep. like them, you like them. If you don't, you don't. I wasn't selling anything. I wasn't like, if you purchase this package, I'm going to be this. It was just, these are my picks. This is what I'm on today. What do you think? That's why it's not gambling advice. But then it kind of, it caught on quickly where people were like, is this gambling advice? Or, yeah, you know, comments yeah. and everything. And I was like, oh, this is kind of entertaining. Like, this is kind of a cool tagline. And then it just spiraled. And that's now the name of my podcast. But I think the main point of it is as I'm not charging you anything. All the content is free. These are my picks. If you like them, great. If you don't like them, fade them. But I think I'm going to be positive at the end of the year, and I'd be careful fading me because I have the track record. <laughs> yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I think. I mean, I knew that from the aspect of of uh, Twitter's or uh, TikTok's guidelines. You know, I guess you said it's not allowed. Or I'm sure even then it's frowned upon, and TikTok's algorithm is weird, and that they'll just randomly strike down a, you know, bans or suspensions on people. So you do have to be careful. But I also think it's it's really a funny. Uh, it's a funny little tagline too that's now been seen. If you look in in uh, your guys's comments on the TikToks, you know it's like people. <laughs> the first comment I always see is like, "Just clarifying, this is not gambling advice, correct?" <laughs> like, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's funny. I mean, it's it's funny and it's the cool little uh, 
you know, niche stuff that people maybe not don't realize, you know, and then they, they see your podcast. And I mean, honestly, like at first glance, if I had no idea who you guys are and I came across that content as the first piece of content I came from you guys, I would be like, not gambling advice. Like that doesn't make any, you know, why would it not be? But, but that's the part that, that people, you know, I'm sure that they get it too. And they listen to, you know, that specific show. And, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good part. And, you know, for those, I mean, it sounds like for those of you guys tuning into our show and watching, check out uh, Peter's picks because he's he can play. But it's not gambling advice. It's just uh, what he's on. So, anyways, uh, down, to, uh, down to the baseball-specific stuff that we'll get your takes on and everything else. Before we get into your team, obviously, you can see behind me, and most people listening to our show know my bias and where I come from. Uh, I know you went to the winter meetings. This I, I would say I keep saying this past off season, but it's still technically the off season. But the past winter meetings uh, in December in San Diego, I've never been to the winter meetings. I don't know why, uh, because I've lived in I grew up in San Diego. I, I know it's been a more recent thing that they've held it there, but there's no reason why if they have it again. I know next year's in Vegas, but the next time they go to San Diego, I, I want to go. And I know you went and I know that this off season and this free agency and everything that's gone on has been arguably the craziest in the history of the sport. Just with the dollar amounts, the the caliber of players that were available, all things considered, and you were there. So it's basically a general question of how was the winter meetings? What were your best, you know, what were your takeaways from the experience? And then if you can at the end, your best and worst, you know, moments, whether it was you doing, you know, you screwing something up or somebody else screwing something up. I can imagine the uh, the early breaking of of uh, Aaron Judge probably going to be close to that list from John Hammond. But how was it? Takeaways, best and worst moments. No, it was awesome. And um, yeah, I was in Santa Barbara because that's where I'm from. And I was like, oh, we got to go down to the winter meeting. So um, I grabbed one of our prospect writers. Dustin, who also lives in Santa Barbara with me, he's been my best friend now for my entire life. And uh, we went down there to the winter meetings and it was a blast. Like, you know, you're walking through the hotel and he's Rosenthal and Heyman and Morosi and, you know, the John Boy guys, Foolish Baseball, who I met there, who I ended up getting on my podcast from there. I mean, it was an awesome experience just to be around the hoopla, like Jason Starks there. I'm going to be networks recording. It was a great experience, but it's funny. Most of the people there, I would say 70% of the people there are just young people looking for jobs in the industry. Um, so the, the hotel is packed, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's about um, what deals are being made. So a lot of us are just kind of sitting there talking to people, trying to get the scoops. And, um, you know, I heard some things that, you know, at, at this point in my journalism career, I didn't feel completely comfortable in putting out, but I heard some things before they happened. And that was a cool thing about being there. Um, but in terms of takeaways, um, I would say just the biggest takeaway is that it's a great, it's a great time um, and a great area just to meet a bunch of people in the industry, really establish yourselves, be like, Hey, we're here. This is what we do. And meeting people from across the pond, um, you know, I ran into a bunch of people that enjoy our content. So it was cool to put a face there. Um, and then best moments, of course, sitting in the hotel um, when the arson judge yep. drops. 
and then recording from there. Um, that was an crazy moment. So seeing Heyman walk around after that was nuts. Uh, you know, I think he scampered up to his room afterwards. He's like, what do you do? Um, there wasn't really any bad moments. I guess I, I got sick afterwards. Oh, um, I got, I got a cold or like oh, sort of flu say, was it like because seafood we were just around like San Diego seafood or anything like stomach. Bug? Yeah. We were just around so many people during oh, yeah, that. Yeah, It makes sense. No, no, no. It was just strictly from, you know, breathing everybody's air and being so close to hundreds of people. But overall, it's just an incredible experience. You know, I wrote articles about it on our website, about everything I was hearing. It's just a great spot to be. And yeah, if you have an opportunity to go, you got to go. Yeah, 100%. I, uh, I think even I might have been uh senior in high school or maybe a junior. Uh, and I remember driving by the hotel. I mean, it's just like perfectly situated. It's a perfect, uh, you know, setup. It's a perfect, I mean, everything about it, right? I mean, and all these different teams and and owners and and people can escape the the winter you know basically and go to san diego and get out of the weather but you said you know you're santa barbara so not much different as far as weather goes um yeah i feel like that's why it's so attractive for a lot of people you know is that they they want to go it's obviously kind of a vacation but it's also like where the deals get done um so when you interact with the different people, like, did you get a chance to talk to, or maybe who was the biggest, you know, uh, I guess you could say reporter or personality that you were able to, to interact with, like personally at the winter meetings? Heyman, um, got a picture with Heyman, was talking with him for a little bit. Uh, Jason Stark, who we've had on our show before, it was good to see him again. I would say those are the two biggest um, and just some players like, you know, Howie Kendrick was there, which was a cool okay. um, shaking of the hands. A um, couple players like that. Um, but really, yes, yeah, Stark and Heyman were the biggest that I really actually had a conversation with. Like, I was able to shake Ken Rosenthal's hands, but it was in passing. But really, Heyman and Stark, I was able to actually speak with. Nice. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's great. I mean, I think, uh, obviously, I hadn't been there, but I, I know the setup and the situation of the hotel and the lobby and just the fact of, you can walk through that lobby and come across, you know, Jeff Passan and the ESPN crew, MLB Network set, uh, you know, like you said, Heyman and, and Jason Stark and Ken Rosenthal. And I saw, you know, Nelson Cruz was in the lobby, Yasiel Puig. It's like, there's no other, I don't think, you know, besides maybe <laughs> the locker room at the All-Star game or something, like there's no other place on the planet where you can just have that kind of access and get in there for, for, basically nothing did you guys have to get a like a credential or apply for an, a credential to get in that was my one pluey or whatever you that was my yeah. one mistake was we didn't get credential and that was totally on me it was kind of a spur of the moment thing that we went down there um and i didn't get credentialed in time um it was like yeah you could have gotten it you just had to fill it out a week ago you idiot oh, okay. um so i wasn't able to go into the media room so it was more just you know, on the outskirts, kind of talking to a bunch of different people. But it is one of those things where, um, you know, for example, I was able to sit in uh, with Kodai Senga's agent, uh, Joel Wolf. Um, so there was interviews on the outskirts, but that was my one blunder. And I just didn't get credentialed in time. With our company, we've been credentialed before. You know, we we're credentialed at games, at different conferences, but my dumbass didn't get it in time. So I just had to kind of, walk around but yeah. it was also a it was a good experience too where 
now I had the walking around experience. Next time I go, I'll have the credentialed experience because sure. I'll actually fill out the form in advance. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And yeah, that's, I mean, again, that's probably, you know, maybe a part of it that people don't realize is, is, you know, I did say like all these different people and all this different stuff's going on in the lobby, but like, yeah, you do have to get, you know, insert to get access to certain areas. You got to get credentialed and you got, it's not just a uh, free for all. You can't just walk in the lobby and just start, you know, talking to players you do, you know, there's some aspects to it, but for the most part, it is very, uh, very good access for, for different people. So, um, sounds like you would recommend it. I've, I've never been, but I, I plan on going at some point, especially if, uh, you know, this outlet for us starts to, to grow as it, as it has been. Um, you were there for the big signings. You mentioned Arson judge, you mentioned, you know, Kodai Senga. I think Senga may have been after the winter meetings. Nevertheless, huge free agents signing contracts during the winter meetings. You have a Yankee bias, but that's okay because I have a Padres bias and I still don't think I'd answer this next question with the Padres, but you could answer Yankees. And my question is, who do you think up to this point? I don't think there's many other free agents that would swing this question too far. What do you think has won the offseason in Major League Baseball? The Mets, um, even if they don't get Carlos Correa. Uh, we just did an episode actually with Foolish Baseball. We drafted our, we did a snake draft of best offseason. Instead okay. of just coming in and these are the top five, we're like, you know, if we had to take them like a team, yeah. who had the best? And the number one pick to Foolish Baseball was the Mets. And they've done everything. You get Verlander, you get Kodai Senga, you get Jose Quintana, you get Brandon Nimmo. I mean, the list goes on and on. They spent the most money. They are the number one offseason, but don't sleep on the Rangers either because they were the number two pick in our draft. Um, getting Jacob deGrom, getting Nady Evaldi, getting Andrew Heaney by Fangraphs, the Rangers have the number two projected rotation in terms of war. So it, that's all if they stay healthy, of course, but the Rangers are really creating something. The Phillies had a great offseason. The Yankees, again, had a great offseason. Those are the four first picks of our draft. That's, uh, you know, the answer I expected, but when I see... Um the early power rankings coming out or I see MLB network putting out content uh, where they're debating and discussing on their shows, like who the best team is. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not really, I promise I'm not coming at this from a Padres bias, but these teams are saying like, or I mean, uh, these outlets are saying like, Hey, you know, is this the Padres? Is this the best team on paper? And I don't know if that's true, but it's hard. You know, it's hard to like, I don't know if the Mets are the best team on paper. I think they did win the offseason, right? Because I think they spent the most. And even if they get Correa, you know, that'll just launch them even further. But do you think the Mets are now the best team in baseball? Or who is, in your opinion, the best team? Astros. The Astros? Astros. I mean, they, they lost Verlander, but it's okay. Because they have Framber, they have Javier, and they have McCullers. And they have our rookie of the year favorite, Hunter Brown. And they have Luis Garcia. Yep. And then you look at the lineup, adding Jose Abreu, getting Michael Brantley back. It's the Astros world and we're living in it. Uh, you can't count out the Dodgers in your division either. Um, the Braves, you can never count them out. And the Phillies went to the World Series and they're a great they playoff team, kind of like the Padres are. Because on paper, I wouldn't put the Padres um, at the exact same level as the Mets. Of course, we have to see what Tatis brings us. And I assume that he's going to bring us incredible you know, value on the field. and um, But I think from this six or seven hitter down, the Padres have issues. Like, good luck with Matt Carpenter. We'll see if he can re replicate that. Azakar in left. You know, Grisham in center. Nola at catcher. 
These are relative holes. Um, but I always talk about the Padres. Like they are so, they are such a playoff team. Phillies, the same thing. All you get three games of Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove, and then the top heavy lineup, like you can do anything. But losing Josh Bell certainly isn't helpful to you guys. Um, but the Padres are going to be contenders. They're going to be there. They're going to make the playoffs and they might make another run. But I just don't think that the Padres win the division. I guess that's where I'm at on them. No, I, I think that's a very fair, uh, you know, prediction or estimation. Um, and I'd say, I think I knew that the Padres weren't going to get past the Phillies when in that series, starting from game one all the way through the seven, eight, and nine hitters that came through for them heavily in the early parts of the postseason, especially against the Mets in the wild card series and against the Dodgers, they were that seven, eight, nine of at the time, at least it was uh, Grisham, Hassan, Kim, and Nola. But two of those guys, as you mentioned, Grisham and Nola at the bottom of the lineup, that's, I feel like, and I've talked about this before, a very steep, steep drop off from what is an extremely top heavy part of the order. Um, that being said, you mentioned that they're not the best team, and I'll get your take on this before I, you know, obviously give my insight. Probably not the best team in the division. Do you think if let's say hypothetically, and we never wish this, but let's say that the the Dodgers lose a guy like Mookie Betts for let's just say a month, right? And you put the teams up to get, you know, head to head without Mookie Betts. Are the Padres better than than the Dodgers? With with Mookie Betts, without Mookie, like, how close do you think the gap is now? Because it's always been so big. It's obviously gotten a lot smaller. And now, like I said, a lot of content's coming out. Is the Are the Padres the best team on paper? I still don't think the answer is yes. Do you think they're at the same level as the Dodgers? Do you think the Dodgers still have the edge? I think the Dodgers still have the edge. Um, because I think, you know, if you're to take away Mookie, um, let's take away Machado. You know, right, if, if right. we're going to do that, like, I think it is all hypotheticals. Um, I just trust in the Dodgers uh, because they do have a ton of depth that I don't think the Padres have. Like, we aren't even talking when we talk about a rotation with Kershaw, Arias, May, Gonsolin, and Syndergaard. We aren't even talking about Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone, who yep. are two of their best pitching prospects, who right now, if you were to take a team and – say these are their two best young pitchers who have yet to make big league really impact. The Dodgers are number one. They have maybe the best farm system in the entire sport with all of that at the major league level. Like they can just put a James Outman in and he explodes. They could put a Trace Thompson in, even though I know that they acquired him, but they just have a special Dodgers-ness yep. about him. And that speaks to their player development. That speaks to everything down the line. So I would say that unless uh travesty happens to a specific player i still have the dodgers as that best team because you know miguel vargas you know they lose justin turner they put in miguel vargas who i think is going to be incredible better like they have better. just so much depth that the padres don't but the stars if we're looking at just like a star leaderboard the padres might have more but let's see what we get from tatis you know what what, what are we going to get in 2023 from Cronenworth yep. is Hassan Kim improve or does he get worse? There's, there's just some question marks where with the Dodgers, 
I don't have as many questions. But that doesn't mean that the Padres can't compete with them because they will, and they're going to be make the playoffs, and they can beat them just like they proved. Right. But I would still take the Dodgers over 162. But we'll see when it comes to the playoffs because anything can happen. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, we talked about it last year. A lot of sentiment I shared with just my Padres fan friends and stuff is just get in the tournament, right? And clearly we did and, and made a deep run, and it was great. But I also agree that I think the lineup is a little too top-heavy. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, takeaway. I, when, I, when I said the Mookie Betts thing, I was kind of more like, like how far is the gap, right? If they lose Mookie Betts, are they still better than the Padres? Or, you know, that's basically the the – point of view and i get what you're saying like well if they lose mookie you guys need to lose you know juan soto which is like it's fair um i also think and i've i've shared the sentiment before too i think uh the padres 2023 season is world series or bust because after this year you know we lose darvish we lose blake snell machado is apparently going to opt out uh, hoping he comes back uh but he does deserve I think a little bit more money considering the market and what these other guys are making. But you also mentioned, you know, the Dodgers and where they are now. Does that prediction a include Trevor Bauer and B if it doesn't, what happens with Trevor Bauer? I have no idea what happens with Trevor Bauer and we rarely talk about him because it's just a subject that we don't really like to discuss sure. because we talk about, you know, what's on the field and right now on the field he's not on it. So this prediction has nothing to do with him. And I don't even know what he's going to give you when he's back on because he hasn't pitched in a while. And, you know, he's not a perfect pitcher. Um, this this prediction of the Dodgers has nothing to do with Trevor Bauer, basically. Sure. No, that's, I mean, I assumed that. And most people, you know, the reports are that he's going to get released by them anyway. So I don't, I don't anticipate, I don't, I'm not preparing as a fan against the Dodgers to be seeing Trevor Bauer at any point this season. But the question comes up but amongst friends, amongst Padres fans, you know, would you take him? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't think there is a right answer or a right way to talk about it. Um, from what I've seen, I guess, on YouTube, it looks like he's in good enough shape to pitch again, you know, but it's like, do you handle the PR and stuff? It's it's just a lot of, of unknown, I think. And so I was just curious if uh, – you know, you had any tips or any, anything that you thought was going to happen or prediction? You know, I don't know. A small, small market team might want to make a splash for ticket sales, you know, the Reds or the Diamondbacks, you know, but I don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, I just hope that, like you said, we still we don't spend as much attention on it and, and stay focused on the product in the field because that's the best way to look at it. Um, yeah. So off the Padres, I think – kind of answers one of my questions already your outlook on the Padres I was going to ask already but sounds like you have them playoff team uh Dodgers slightly better deeper outlasting them All, I think I agree on every aspect of that you're a Yankees guy where do the Yankees finish in the division where do the Yankees finish I guess how deep do they get in the postseason realistic prediction and also a bias prediction from you I mean, my biased prediction is I hope they win the World Series, but I am also a realist and I also cover the rest of baseball and I have, uh, I think, a pretty good grasp on the trip that it would need to get there. And I still think that they are the second best team in the American League. Um, I still think that they get to the ALCS and they lose to the Astros. I still think that they're the best team in the division. Um, you know, you didn't lose anyone really and you add Carlos Rodon 
one thing that I don't think is a bias um, take, and I think by the projections and on paper and what everyone expects, is I do think that they have the best rotation in the sport. Um, you have Garrett Cole, you have Carlos Rodon, you have Nestor Cortez Jr., you have Luis Severino, and you have Frankie Montas. It's hard to get better than that. Now, if the Astros had retained Verlander, I'd give them the nod, but they didn't. So now I think the Yankees have the best rotation in all of baseball. The Mets are up there, of course. The Rangers you could consider up there. Uh, the top half of the Padres is extremely good. Um, the Dodgers, of course, are going to be there. But the Yankees, in my opinion, have the best rotation. They need to address left field. A combination of Aaron Hicks and Oswaldo Cabrera, I'm not very excited about it. I hope they send Josh Donaldson to the moon. But I'm excited for Anthony Volpe. I'm excited for Oswald Peraza. Getting Rizzo back is huge. Trevino is a Platinum Gold Glove Award winner. And the outfield Bader in a full season should be great. And then you have the um, maybe the best player in baseball outside of Otani and Aaron Judge. And it's a great team. Um, but my New Year's resolution for them is no more excuses. I don't want to hear about the roof. I don't want to hear about anything. If you can't beat the Astros, you can't beat the Astros, but don't give me any excuses. You're the Yankees. Do everything that you got to do to beat it. And if it comes down to it and you lose again, things need to change because you're obviously not making the moves to get there. Um, but it's a crapshoot. It's tough to guess, but I, st I have them as the second best team in the American League. I think that's a really fair prediction. And the reason I, I think uh, I wanted to get your insight on that is because, I mean, I feel like the Padres and the Yankees, you know, not historically, of course, but at the exact moment in time are in a very similar situation where they just dropped a bunch of money. Um, obviously, the Yankees reacquiring Aaron Judge, but the Padres committed to winning with a larger payroll. And uh, in most people's opinion, still aren't the team to beat in their own league. But both teams can do it. I do think the Yankees could beat the Astros. It's not like the gap is, is so drastic that they would get swept every time they play them. But I also think the indication from the ALCS was exactly how it should have gone. I think the Astros and the Dodgers, in the case of the Padres, those are two teams you mentioned are so deep. They seem to be making the right moves every single time. And even if, if it is a bit of a questionable move or a bit of a risk, it ends up working out in some way or another. And, you know, I, I put out a, a video uh, basically grading all the free agent offseason moves, uh, A through F, you know, on a, on a grade scale. I gave Abreu to the Astros an A minus and Brantley back to the Astros an A plus because, like, those two moves are just great. I mean, they're just amazing. Right. And then I look at uh, same with the Dodgers. I gave JD Martinez to the Dodgers an A minus. I mean, it's like just like a great low risk, you know, small contribution to what's going to be a great deep roster. So I just was curious, uh, you know, your Yankees outlook because it's optimistic. I think as is the case for the Padres, and I think most people would agree with you. But the Astros and these other teams, it just seems that the the player development, the the risk assessment, or you know, whatever <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the analytics and, and how much you're giving these guys, you know, I think you could, you could put the Braves in those conversations too, of like how, uh, you know, well-run organization, but they also seem to just be stealing uh, these superstar players for nothing uh, and then locking them up until 2050. But uh, yeah, I, I personally was hoping for last year and I'm hoping for again, this year, a Padres Yankees world series. I think that would be incredibly entertaining. I think, you know, people are over the Dodgers. I think people are over the Astros. And that's not to say they're not great teams, 
Uh, but there's been so much drama with the Astros. And, you know, I'm glad they won this past offseason. I'm glad Dusty Baker got his legitimate, unquestioned, you know, World Series championship. And the Dodgers, you know, are always good. And it was I, – I've heard this from a lot of different people that aren't Padres fans talking to me like, you guys against the Dodgers, the Padres were America's team in that, in that series. And it's like, that's great, you know. So I'm hoping for Yankees-Padres. And at that point, hands off, best team, you know, best team wins. Um, but hopefully we can get some, some redemption for 1998. Um, in your predictions, you mentioned Tatis, and this is the last question before I'm going to get your actual predictions for the awards and World Series champion. You mentioned Tatis, right? MVP caliber player. He's factored into some people's predictions for MVP. Probably not going to happen with him missing a month of the season. But when you heard about that news last year from an outsider's perspective, what were, I'm assuming you weren't thinking the same things I were initially in the hours after the news broke, you know, cause I'm, I'm here as a Padres fan, super passionate, super biased and share that sentiment with a lot of Padres fans. How do we get rid of this guy? How do we void his contract? I don't want any part of him anymore. You know, that's the emotional reaction from the onset. From the outside, you're a Yankees guy. You're just you're not a Padres fan. What was the initial reaction then? And what what is the outlook you feel like, not just from you personally, but from you know the other guys in your company or or the the league as a whole on Tatis? Is there a hope that he's good again? Is there? We'll see what happens. Throw your hands up and just let him play. What do you what do you think of the Tatis situation so far? What I can only do is kind of speak for myself um, rather than, you know, because everyone has their own opinions on it. Um, but at least, uh, you know, the same initial reaction is the same reaction I have now. And it was sadness. Like Tatis, besides Otani, is my favorite player in baseball. I love watching this man play. I think he is as exciting as ever. He's got every tool in the toolbox and he makes the game better. Day by day. I love Fernando Tatis Jr. So when I found that out, I was just sad. Like I knew that his entire career was going to be tainted forever. He may never make the Hall of Fame due to this. Um, and as you know, I'm not a fan of the, I, I like watching the Padres play. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not a fan. Right. So I just, and that same thing is now where I'm still just sad because I don't feel that people will, continue to appreciate Tatis for what he is, which is the most exciting baseball player that doesn't pitch and hit. Um, so that was my reaction. I still expect a big season from him. He's going to be totally fine. Um, I think he is as good as anybody in baseball. I just don't put him in the MVP conversation. Like I'm not putting Bryce Harper in the conversation just because he's going to miss time. You know, there's still Mookie Betts with the Dodgers. There's Ronald Acuna Jr. with the Braves. Um, there's Lindor with the Mets. There is Goldschmidt Arenado again. There's Machado. There's Soto. There's so many good players that they're going to have a full season and they'll just accumulate more stats than he will. So I don't, I'm not putting him in the MVP conversation, but I think when he comes back, he will play at an MVP level. So that's where I'm at on Tatis. Initial reaction, sad. Current reaction, still sad. But prediction for him for this season is when he's on the field, he will play at an MVP level. 100%. I think you can expect that based on the videos and things that we've seen so far of him and his demeanor in the Dominican Republic and partying, not in a bad way, you know, but just seems like he's in good spirits. So 
hopefully it doesn't impact his play too much. And if you were, if you were just hypothetically, you're a baseball writer and you have, you have a vote for a national league MVP. He misses a month of the season and he comes back and hits 58 home runs with a, uh, 1105 OPS. Would you vote in your mind? Is there like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm not voting for this guy because he's a juice head. Or is that part of it kind of been passed on at this point? Because you probably and us in the younger generation don't consider that. But as we know, with baseball writers voting for the Hall of Fame and just who the guys are in general voting for guys like MVP, they may be a little bit more old fashioned. Do you think that's going to be not at the end of his career, but these next couple of years, a part of the conversation as far as uh, judging his his talent? Because, of course, he's going to have to be passing you know, drug tests on a weekly basis or whatever the case is for Major League Baseball, people are still going to say it. People are going to reply on Twitter every time the Padres post a highlight of Fernando Tatis Jr., like, you know, the needles or the memes and stuff like that. Is it going to be an actual factor? Let's, like I said, hypothetically, you're voting for MVP and he hits 55 homers when he comes back? Yeah, for me personally, because, again, all I could speak about is me when – if he hits 58 home runs and has uh, an 1100 OPS and the Padres make the playoffs and he's the best player and he's overtaking Soto and Machado and he's better than everybody else. I'd vote for him for MVP. I don't care. Um, I mean, I care that he took steroids and if I had a hall of fame vote, I'd have to see if he has a hall of fame career, but you know, that's another conversation for much longer down the line. But if we're just talking about this season in a vacuum, if he does that, I'll vote for him. I don't care. Sure. I love him. Yeah, I just I know and I agree with you. I just know that maybe not even this season, but in potential future seasons, it's going to be like one of the it just plays into the sadness that you talked about because exactly you know, in two years from now, three years from now, he has an MVP caliber season. Should we vote for him? Well, he was the guy who took steroids. It's like man, that just sucks. It just sucks. That that's that's going to be a part sucks. of it. Yeah. So last thing I'll t I'll get you with here, and then I'll let you go. Uh, season predictions. I need from you way too early way to uh you know anything could happen between now and and the end of the season american league and national league mvp american league and national league cy young and if you can maybe not a world series winner but a world series matchup if you could give that yeah i will say this too um i haven't fully thought of everything so these predictions i'm giving you now may change sure um, depending if we get more information, you know, if guys get hurt or if I just have a change of heart after doing more research, but right now, as it stands, AL MVP, I'm going to give it to Shohei. You know, we had a little bit of, uh, of a, um, a buffer, I guess, but I think if someone doesn't put up a judge type season, Shohei will win. So I'm going to go with Shohei in the American league in the national league. It's so interesting because there are so many players that could win it. Um, I lean Ronald Acuna Jr. Because I think if his knee is healthy, he is going to go crazy. But at the same time, MLB.com came out with them, with him as their MVP, and I hate tailing them. Yeah, yeah. So I, I won't say Ronald Acuna Jr. But who would I go with if it wasn't Acuna? Because that's that's my first instinct. Um. I will go with Mookie Betts because I think that Mookie Betts is one of the most well-rounded players I've seen in my lifetime. And I think, especially with this Dodgers year, if they're incredible again, it will be on the backs of Mookie Betts. Like if they win 105 games after losing some of these guys, I think it will be Mookie who everyone looks at and is like, wow, 
I mean, what a player, which I already know. So I'm going to go with Mookie in the National League, but again, this could change. Um, Cy Young in the American League. I'm excited for a full season of Tyler Glass now. I think if he can do it, he could win it. Um, I'll be biased. I'll say Rodon wins it in the American <laughs> League. Um, in the National League, this is another tough one. Um, I think Arias. Uh, no, I can't be so Dodgers. I can't be so Dodgers. All right. No, it's um, fine. They're, it's what whatever you feel. I think Julio Arias is going to win the National League. I don't think he was robbed because Sandy deserved it. But if you look at like a per innings basis, I think Arias is going to be up there. But I'm just afraid that they won't give him enough innings. That's why I'm like, uh, I don't know about Arias. Uh, I think if Burns throws 200, he can win it too. I'll go with Corbin Burns wins in the National League. Good picks. I think so picks. second. And then World Series matchup. You don't have to pick a winner, but – World Series matchup, that's not just Astros-Dodgers, if you could. If there's maybe, you know, a couple teams, yeah. you know, because that's everybody's – I feel like that's everybody. Everybody's going to say it preseason. Like you said, MLB.com will probably come out with something. Astros and Dodgers, Dodgers and South, you know, something like that. If you could avoid those two teams and try to stay as unbiased and unfavorable to Padres and Yankees, you could say Padres and Yankees. That'd be great. But realistically, some teams you could think could uh, make a splash. So my chalk prediction. My chalk prediction would be Astros versus Braves, a rematch. Um, my non-biased sleeper teams, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Rays versus the Cardinals. Um, I'll go Rays-Cardinals as my sleeper non-biased answer. My biased answer is Yankees Mets. That would be, yeah. I mean, that'd be great. I I I would watch it. I'd be pretty sick of New York at that point, but you know, hey, that's just part of it. Yeah. Is what it is. I I live in New York. I would love Game One, Game Two in City just Field or whatever. Game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my biased answer. That's that's what I would love most of all. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, Peter. We appreciate your time, man. We kept you on probably a little longer than you you wanted to, but also wanted to get your insight and talk a little bit of baseball with you because you are, in my opinion, one of the more educated minds in the realm of content creation and baseball. And also, uh, I think, went about it in potentially the best way, you know, and grew organically with great content. So we appreciate you taking the time today. Um, and for those of you listening, check him out. What what's the best handle to to promote for you? Is it just your personal or all of them at just baseball or any? Yeah, at all? we got we got so many. Um, you can find me on TikTok at just baseball fans. Um, on our Twitter, um, at just BB Media, and my personal Twitter at Peter Apple twenty three spelled A P P E L. And then of course you can find all of my articles on justbaseball.com. Got it. So that's Peter. Uh, with the the plug for his socials, please be sure to follow him and check him out. And uh, thanks for taking the time today, man. Seriously, we appreciate it. And good luck to uh, the Yankees. I I'm rooting for Judge, one of my favorites. Um, and I'm hoping for a rematch of 98 and a six-game World Series win for the pods. But then again, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Thanks for having me on, cool, Ryan. Man. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. So that was Peter Apple of Just Baseball, if you guys – obviously caught at the end 
really smart baseball mind, really smart baseball guy, knows what he's talking about, really dives into the analytics and puts out a ton of really good content. And I wanted to have him on just to give some insight on his growth, his personal achievements, and also his predictions because he does know what he's talking about. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode, man. It was a great episode for me. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think you guys can learn a lot from from these types of episodes because this, you know, we're trying to provide the best information we possibly can. And at the end of the day, having a guy like Peter on the show is going to do that for you guys. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, episode 27, be sure to check us out on, uh, check us out along with Peter, just baseball for him, Peter Apple, A-P-P-E-L. And then obviously for us, phenomenal fan on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the above. And otherwise, we'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Between the Stitches. Thanks for listening to Between the Stitches. Follow Phenomenal Fan Media on social media for more. And subscribe on Patreon for exclusive content.